Welcome to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk, talking art of living, and it's been one of those crazy weeks, man. Yes. <laughs> we had a, like a, a deluge of rain yesterday that was overnight. I don't know how many inches. Well, there's good news and bad news. It went away. It but, went away. But, and it's not as much as people thought it would be as far as rain, because it was supposed to be a lot worse. Well, I don't but know. But it was still pretty bad. Like, I was driving to work, and there were some cars floating. I'm not even joking. <laughs> That's sad. Like, like if you own a Corolla and it floods, do not drive. Yeah, y'all. Stay uh, home. But it, it ended up being yeah, it was bad. worse than what people thought. But it was still, it's still supposed to be raining, and it's not. It's supposed to rain for like three days, but it rained for a day straight, which was bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. and praying for people like up north in Arkansas with flooding and there's been some Yeah, the rivers are bad. So it's a time to pray. It is a time to pray. Yep, we have a... We have a tradition in the diocese of a mass for protection against hurricane and storms. That was Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, and we also have a prayer that we pray mm-hmm. throughout hurricane season. So, people who don't live on the coast, particularly the Gulf Coast, you know, you you don't think about hurricanes because they, you don't have them. You know, you might think about tornadoes where you live, or you might think about bad storms or winter storms are being locked in because of the snow or mudslides or other types of things. Do you think they have masses for protection against earthquakes like in California? I don't know. They probably do. I think they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think they probably do. That's interesting. But we specifically, I know think the f- opening song for maybe? like, you know, <laughs> June, July, August, September basically is hurricane season. Yes. Uh, and we do pray, like at Mass, there's a prayer, yep. you know, not everybody does that, but yeah, like diocese and whatnot, because it, it, it is a... It's an event it's when an, it happens. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But yeah. the one, the one, if there is a positive about a hurricane, which there's really not, is that you know it's coming. Right, you for know. at least a few days. Yeah. Earthquake can happen at any point. Or a tornado can happen, you, you tornado, know, like right. you just... You know, so things like that. But anyway, At least you know that's coming. really depressing, by the way. <laughs> so I had, I had this another interesting encounter the other day. I went to check out at, um, I don't know where I was. A uh, store? It was a store, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a restaurant or whatever, but the woman uh, read my credit card and it says my name, Paul George, on my credit card, <laughs> which I don't think about. And she's like, oh, wow, that's a, you got a great name. I was like, oh, thanks. And then I realized that I have a great name because she was thinking about the NBA basketball player. And I said, oh, are you a basketball fan? She's like, yeah. I was like, is that how you know that name? She's like, yeah. And I said, were you disappointed that I wasn't him? She's like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, but anyway, speaking that is of depressing. basketball, have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Yeah, so the NBA basketball finals are in. I don't know how many people are into this. You know, if you don't have a team in the game, a lot of times you don't watch it unless you're right. a severe basketball fan. When you got a Canadian team and an Oakland team. But here's what's interesting around basketball that's different than other sports, Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that because it's in an arena, and you know it's fifteen to twenty thousand people that fill the arena, and it's sold out, and like the most expensive seats are courtside seats. Yeah, and you're talking about 
thousands of dollars for a ticket, particularly for like really good teams and particularly for playoff games, mm-hmm. right? And the interesting thing is that um, those floor seats are usually owned by obviously really, really wealthy people and a lot of times really famous people, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so when I lived in Phoenix, someone gave me floor seats for a game. Really? Yeah. They weren't using them. The, uh, people who went to our church's company had them. And so uh took a friend and we're sitting on the floor seats. And I am not joking with you. On one side of me was Phil Mickelson. Wow. The golf player. Yeah. The, the golfer. And on the other side of me was Alice Cooper, <laughs> the rock star. <laughs> I'm not, and, and me sitting on the floor seat with my friend. It was the best seats in that. I've never had, you know, if you, even if you're not into basketball, when you, when you have such a close encounter with professional athletes, yeah, it's quite amazing, like the athleticism and how big these guys are, right? Yeah. Okay, so with that, like it's different than in football where you have a barrier of the sidelines and you're right. kind of, you're in the stands. You could yell, but players don't really care or hear you. Basketball, when you have a floor seat, like you, you could literally touch the players. Did you? I did not, but uh, you could. Okay, like that's how close you are, and yeah. so it's like talking to you. Yeah, you know. So if you know Steph Curry is on the bench, I'm right behind. I can literally be like, "Hey, Steph, what's up, dog?" <laughs> you know, like, and he could hear me. Yeah, you could also give him some tips on his playing. You know, I could. Yeah. Now they block you out, but you're really close, and there's famous people. And so a lot of times, these teams have famous people that follow them, and everybody knows. Like the Lakers have Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. okay, the famous actor, and mm-hmm. other other people are on. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously LA is a big time. Right. Interesting for Toronto, which most people don't know Toronto's team, where he plays on them. Now that they're in the finals, they're like oh, but but the the singer rapper or whatever Drake. Mm-hmm. Is like their like team mascot who sits <laughs> on the sidelines, and it's become like a sideshow. Yeah, apparently he's getting very involved with the action, mm-hmm. and it's hilarious. I think it is entertaining, and it's actually it's like giving the coach massages. And no, he's he's like crossed that. the line. The NBA has kind of said, "Hey, you can't actually touch the opposite team's coach or player. Like you gotta like <laughs> back off." And I think because he is famous, probably has money, like he gets away with more than just some regular fan. Like if I went to a game and someone gave me floor seats and I touched someone, they would kick me out of the game. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is that one of the investors for the Warriors actually pushed one of the players Hmm. from the other team. who He came into the stand chasing a ball, Mm -hmm. and they pushed him, and they suspended him. He can't come to a game for the rest of the playoffs. Wow. So there are consequences to that. Yeah. Okay. But all that being said, like, if you could have a floor seat to any event oh, or gosh. be next to some type of event or person, who would it be? What would it be? Oh, my word. A sporting event? No, no, no. It doesn't have to be sporting. So I got a couple of, I got a couple of them in my mind as I'm talking. So I, I put you on the you, spot. Well, or, you do one. Or we can flip, flip You do back. one, yeah. And so people who are listening, maybe you could do this as well, like, Help you kind of determine like what, what you would really. <laughs> so I would love to. I would have loved to have obviously a floor seat at the Last Supper with Jesus. 
That would be nice. Okay, no, I probably took that. They were all me. floor seats. They were all floor <laughs> seats. They might have even been sitting on the floor, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. That would be a nice event to be at. All right, so we're talking like anything that's happening. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would do, I would, ha- I would love to have a floor seat there. Like, you know, I don't even have to be a part of the event. I don't have to be a main player. I don't have yeah. to be a part of the twelve or the thirteen that were around the table. Um, just kind of there. Maybe a waiter. You're pouring the wine. I don't really care. Yeah, I okay. just want to be there. That's yeah. a good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll stick in the sports arena, and uh, pun intended. And um, I'm going to say, you know what I'd like to be at? When the Saints won the Super Bowl, and they had their little after party, and then they go home, and then the next day, just go grab lunch with, like, Drew Brees or... So, like, okay, we're done with it. You had the experience. And now it's time to just kind of talk about it casually with friends. I'd love to be witnessing that conversation. I got to do that. What? Yeah. What do you mean? I, I literally got to do that a few times. Explain to me. Well, I did some interactions, some Bible studies for a professional team. Um, that you can't mention or, or else they'll, the they'll sue you? <clears throat> Maybe the Saints. Maybe. Maybe the Saints? But anyway, one of the things about that most people don't know is like after an NFL game is that they have a, a family dinner. Party, mm-hmm. so all the players go to the locker room. I don't know. There's a press conference. They they get dressed, shower, get dressed, and then there's dinner for the players and the family members, like underneath, like the stadium in a room. Mm-hmm. And I went went to a couple of them um, because I was friends with one of the players and family, and through the stuff that I was doing, and it was like literally rubbing elbows with every player sitting down at a table they're just eating because it's like they're comfortable because it's just family and friends basically mm-hmm. and yeah there's pretty cool pretty cool stories like that yeah you know that most people don't don't know what what happens so like i wouldn't go there for the sporting event because i've done it mm-hmm. i would think of something i haven't done and there's a couple in the sports world like i would i wouldn't mind being a caddy for like one of the most famous golfers oh yeah like what would that be like you know, mm-hmm. for particularly if they're winning, you know, I would love to be Happy Gilmore's caddy. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you would be perfect for Happy Gilmore. I think so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like I, I love, yeah, just the interaction and and being on the front seat. You know, and you know, it's been kind of cool. I, I would like to be in a front seat of like, like with with the Pope, particularly. Yeah, um, like John Paul II, I would have loved to to be in the front seat there. Maybe even in some of like the the conclave meetings. I would love to get a croissant with Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. Like show up, like hey, let's just grab. Yeah, a croissant. he's just at a coffee shop in Rome. Yeah, You're like hey, hey, bro, would you want you want a croissant? Yeah, and can I ask you about like your whole life? Can you just I have an outline teach here me the art of living? Because you know that that Benedict was the one that coined the term the yes. art of living. He's your mascot. He really he's he's my boy. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so well, the closest I've been to that moment was um, I got to meet a person who was friends with him. That person's now dead, but um, just kind of asking about their interactions, and yeah, I would I would be in for that. Yeah, so. So there's things like that, um, you know, that we would all want to be a part of. Some are fun, some are like serious, and uh, 
You know, one of the things that I've learned is that when you get a front seat with someone and you and you build a relationship with them or even to the point where they trust you, you do work with them is the ability to um, to get to know what's on their heart, the inside of the person. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that about people. We all have things on the inside of us, particularly things that we love and believe in, uh, characteristics that we we love and believe, you know, core values that we love and believe. Our faith, obviously, uh, for many of us, is what drives those things. It, but it lives inside of us. And it, I find oftentimes that that people have these beautiful values inside of them that they don't necessarily know how to get out of them. Mm-hmm. Like they know they're there, and, and maybe they work for a company or organization or in their home and marriage, and, and there's, there's these things in them that are so good but they don't know how to let them come out or how to how to utilize or share those or or let let that be a part of their DNA to the point where it enculturates the culture around them. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love that. Well, and I, I I've journeyed through this a lot and I'm I've learned that I had a vague idea of what that was in my life. Like those values or this those things that you know, like my gifts, my talents, the things I'm passionate about these kinds of things. It was all just kind of vague. And so I think it's also helpful to, you know, have some kind of process where you bring some clarity into your own gifts, your own passions, um, your own heart, because, you know, at the end of the day, that is the most unrepeatable thing about us. Like other people can have our physical character characteristics. They, other people could even win a Super Bowl. Very few do, but like, you know, you can, there are lots of things that are special and cool and neat that could be duplicatable. Well, there's one thing that's totally not duplicatable, and it's our heart. Mm-hmm. You know, like God only created me as a person, and my heart is is all of me. It's just the, it's the core of who I am. And so really my main project in this life is to live the life that God gave me to live. Yeah, you know? we're, we're uniquely individual. Mm-hmm. And even for those of us who are married, like we have a unique marriage, right? But we're still uniquely individual. Like mm-hmm. we we don't we forfeit a lot of who we are in a sense of how we serve the other, right? And the two become one flesh. But we don't lose our individuality, the person that we are, the the things that we love and believe in. Yeah, um, or as parents either. And our personal faith, yeah. you know. And here's what here's really what a what really transforms our hearts and our, our ability to kind of take what's inside and get it out is is our relationship with Christ. Like, who teaches the art of living? You know, we use that, coined that term and talk about it a lot, and Benedict coined it and used it. What does that really mean? Uh, Jesus had the ability to take what was in, in us and bring it out of us, right? And that's what we're going to talk about. We're, we're going to we're going to get into how do we really take those things and begin to move forward in our life. So anyway, great conversation, and I'm going to pray you get some front row seats, some backstage passes. Dude, croissant with Benedict? Can I pray Novena for that? I'm sure there's one. Maybe next hurricane you evacuate to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's Paul and Adam. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? 
Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Cronk, talking uh, Art of Living. We, we, we talked about a lot of things in the first segment. We went all over the place. <laughs> so thanks for sticking with us, listener. Yeah, but here, here's, here's what we're getting at is, you know, when I work with people who have faith, and particularly, you know, in like coaching or consulting and getting a front row seat into their life, right, and kind of what the analogy that we were using, and then seeing what's in them that they want to get out, right? To inspire the people they work with or um, to love other people or to evangelize or to share or to change the culture of their home or their company or whatever the case may be. Um, And then there's this sort of like, how do we do that? When you work with people of faith, that's the beautiful thing is because they, they get in touch with those things really in a unique way that people who don't have faith don't have assets to, and that's a relationship with, with Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to really uh, pray and, and listen to those things. And Jesus does a lot of things, but in regards to this topic, he, he does a couple of things. Is that Jesus puts things inside of us mm-hmm. in a sense of a new life. We are a new creation when we come into a relationship with Christ. Uh, he puts Holy Spirit inside of us, right? Uh, the fruits of the Spirit, the the gifts, uh, you know. So everything that that the Lord has, He gifts us, and it and it begins to grow inside of us, right? So Jesus has the ability to put things inside of us and to draw it out. It doesn't just stay in the, those to have to connect at some point. Yeah, I mean, if, if you wanted to look at your heart, we, we all share the same human heart. In other words, we're all made for happiness. We're all made for God. Like, we're all... There are certain things we all share, but what makes us unique and different is that our heart in particular has certain things that God put there, like you said, and also lacks certain things that God chose to not put there. You know, mm-hmm. so for example, I I might find it easy to get along with people. You know, and, and uh, relationships are easy to me. Or I might find that difficult, and it fills me with anxiety. Right. So either Christ has given me something, or He has chosen not to give me something. But both of those are unique qualities of my heart that no one else has. And that which I have, I need to share with mm-hmm. the world. Like, that's why I have it. It's not a gift so that I can enjoy all by myself. Like, it's something I have that God has given me to share with the world. And you're right, Christ is going to draw that out of me. And then something I have not, I need to look for it. And it's in the searching, it's in the growing, it's in the moving that Christ also calls me. You know, like if I identify that I don't have patience with people that irritate me, for example, like Christ is calling me to seek that out. And so you're right. I think coming to terms with who we are and what we have and what we don't have is, is kind of a good first step to listen to Christ who's calling us to that next step. Yeah, we're unique in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Our, 
we're unique in our personalities. We're unique in uh, our story. We're unique in our makeup. And Jesus knows those things, and he knows the things that are we're naturally gifted at. He knows the things that we naturally aren't gifted at that we mm-hmm. need to work on, and he probably knows the things that we're naturally not gifted at that maybe just will always be sort of a thorn in our side that we're constantly striving for. But that's the beauty of our faith and our relationship with the Lord, because at the end of the day, we rely on his grace. Okay, let me place this into scripture for, for us, for everyone, is Jesus spent his earthly life, the majority of his earthly life and ministry, teaching a small group of people the art of living, mm-hmm. okay? Teaching them a new way, a new life, right? The disciples, right? The apostles. He he poured into them his life and taught them how to live a new way, right? A new covenant. Yeah. Like, he is the face of the new covenant. They had front row seats to courtside interaction, dinners with Jesus. It's amazing. Yeah. Right? Like, we can't argue that, right? Correct. And then there were a lot on the peripheral who had more of, hey, we're sitting in the stadium, we're witnessing this, but Jesus was able, after the game, to have dinner with those small group of people. Right. They got tickets to go to dinner with with Jesus. Yeah, and I think you can you can look at this scripturally as the difference between the apostles and some of Jesus's closest friends that were also disciples. So like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, we have every reason to think that Jesus had a profound friendship with them, but they weren't at the events. Now, Mary Magdalene, Martha probably were at crucifixion, but they weren't at the last supper, right? Like they didn't the apostles witnessed and participated in these events because of the work that God was calling them to do, to witness to the resurrection, to continue the work of of the Mass throughout the centuries. But intimacy with Christ is not necessarily—it's different, right? It's like we see that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a certain intimacy. Like you said, after the game, that's where Christ went hang out. Right. You know, when he had time off, he went hang out at their house. Um, And I think we should really strive for both. Like, if there's a— there's an aspect to us that God is calling us to work in the church that really has nothing to do with intimacy. You need to know Jesus to do it well, you know, to be a good apostle, right. to continue that work. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to you're not going to excel in the way that you could, but you could get it done. And you know, a lot of us are just content with getting it done and not doing great. Right. Because <laughs> we don't know Jesus. Now, here's the beauty of the new covenant. Jesus <clears throat> coming, dying, rising is that now we we all are adopted into his family. We all have front row seats. We all have dinner with Jesus. We all have immediate and constant access to grace mm-hmm. and love of Jesus. Yep. But in scripture, he spends time with these the apostles pouring into them the art of living, and then he spends time bringing out of them mm-hmm. what's going to help them live. Like he's bringing out. So take the conversation with Peter who we, we all know Peter. Uh, we, there, there's many scenes with Peter walking on water, denying Christ, you know, um, telling, telling Jesus he doesn't know what he's doing, right? Like, <laughs> like we know those scenes, and those scenes are important for us because I think in all of us is Peter, this, this, this human that's like going, trying to figure it all out, right? And then after the resurrection, you know, we, we see this failed Peter back fishing, and yet he has everything that Jesus gave him is, is, is 
in him, like everything Jesus taught, he's wrestling with still like, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. How am I going to take what I'm pa- what's passionately inside of me and live it? And so Jesus has breakfast with Peter, you know, when they're fishing. Mm-hmm. And, and what, is, what is the conversation, right? You remember the conversation. Yeah. Peter, do you love me? Like, what's he, he's drawing out, right? So if, if you have a conversation with your wife and she says, Adam, do you love me? I mean, what is she really asking? Mm-hmm. She, she's trying to draw out more. Like, she, she wants a response in the conversation, but it, there's more there. Like, it's not just, uh, yeah, you know I love you. Like, let's move on and do something else right now. Yeah. Jesus is having this conversation with Peter because he wants to draw out his fullest potential of how he's going to live. Right. I love that. And, you know, if you look at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Jesus did the same thing in that context, right? Like when he was visiting at the house and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and soaking it in and Martha was busy with the work and he let this go on to draw out of Martha something she needed to learn, right? Like Mary has chosen the better part and you are anxious and worried about many things. So like he's, he's drawing out and letting it happen, that situation, to bring that out. Another situation, Lazarus dies, and he, he intentionally does not show up. Like, he could have come and healed him. He could have, but he waited four days to, to come, even though he knew what happened, so that when he showed up, everyone would know he's dead, you know? And Martha comes out like, Jesus, where have you been, you know? And he said, well, it's for the glory of God that this has happened. So in other words, he takes the situation to draw out faith from Martha, Right? He says, if you believe, like in the resurrection, she said, well, I do believe, Lori said, I am the resurrection. So he uses all of these circumstances, whether it's in the work of the church, where we our heart is revealed to us by Jesus calling it out, or in our prayer life and in our intimacy with Jesus. Like he's, he's constantly calling out and, and challenging us to grow. Absolutely. I mean, we've had these conversations, and they're, they're, they've been very fruitful conversations back and forth, but conversations like what is it on your heart that God wants you to do mm-hmm. right and a lot of times like we could just be all over the place you mm-hmm. know but uniquely you and uniquely Adam uniquely your gifts and uniquely what God is stirring in you there's something there right and to begin to clarify that I, I've had some <clears throat> really cool conversations with um, very spiritual and faithful people who are business owners or leaders or, you know, they work and they have in them all this, right? This Mm -hmm. faith and and this love and this hope and this passion. Um, And some of it is not necessarily about like their actual work, but about what what work God wants them to do within their work. Right. Right. And how can they be a gift to others and and serve and how do they do that right like how do they get out of them what god has put in them and put it into practice right and then mm-hmm. this is this conversation that jesus has with many of the disciples and the apostles but particularly like you know the example you were saying and then with peter is like let let's let's get this out of you mm-hmm. so that you know what it is and you can live it you know do you love me he says it three times do you love me do you love me? Why? Feed my sheep. Like, okay, what? How? You know, mm-hmm. uh, this is what you're going to do. Um, and I think for many people, 
it's important to bring some clarity to that so you know how to how to begin to step forward with it. Yeah, and I mean, not to put you on the spot, I think this is the value of the work you do and others of, of kind of coaching, right? So counseling is one thing. Counseling is like, I need to work through something. I need some really good advice, and I may need some therapy. In other words, like there's something wrong with me, psychologically. Not wrong with me. I, there's something that needs to be healed or worked with tenderly um, in my thought process, in my uh, my psyche, something like that, right? But there's another need that we have, which is I need to have some clarity about my life and what God is asking me to do. And that's even different than spiritual direction. Spiritual mm-hmm. direction is, can you help me process what's happening in prayer, you know, and what the Lord might be calling me to in prayer? But it's it's isolated to that. My prayer life, my, my um, journey with the Lord as a disciple, not necessarily about my marriage, not necessarily about my work, right? Like if I'm a business owner and I want to create a, a business environment where everyone has the most fruitful environment to encounter Christ and live it out every day, there's a specific need for a mentor or like a coach to say, look, let's look at your whole life and try to see where God is calling you in all of it. You know, let's let's get some clarity on like the big picture and then get down to the to the smaller picture. And if we don't go through that process, God might be asking us to do something that we can't even hear because of all the noise and all the mess in our life that needs to be tidied up and brought some clarity to. And then we could hear, oh, God, you want me to do this? I'll do it. You know, whatever, whatever it's in. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, here's the thing is that, you know, I was also having a conversation with, with a person who's a consultant that a non-believer they don't have faith Mm. and it really the conversation it's very talented at what they do you know from a business perspective so i was learning a lot and getting some advice and um but it was interesting because he didn't have the ability to answer the question of like what's on your heart like really like what's on your heart you know it was interesting Mm. it was like more all of like, how do we practically just grow? Like, this is just it. And without faith, we get stuck. Yeah. Like, like honestly, like, faith is what roots us into being fully who we are. Because cause yeah. our lives intersect with, with the God who created us. And the God who created us, I don't know if you know this, knows us better than we know ourselves. Yes. Right? And that was sarcastic. And he knows our whole life, you, like everything that's going to happen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's and so there's no, there's no greater place to know ourselves mm-hmm. than under the shadow of Jesus, of God, yeah. in a relationship. Like that's where we get to know our true self is in relationship with God. And when we get into that relationship, when we begin to really grow in it and talk to the Lord and read Scripture and enter into the church and the sacraments, uh, we, we begin to f- get a sense of the internal growing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of, of things that we're, we're more passionate about, uh, we're, we love, we, we uh, begin to grow in us, you know. Um, and so there's a lot of people out there that are very in touch with what's growing inside, and yet uh, they don't always know how to how to bring that out. This is why I love the scene with Peter. He's like, I don't I don't know what you're even talking about right now. <laughs> right? How are we going to do this? 
And of course, you have to fast forward to um, Pentecost. You know the the Holy Spirit. You know, like the like the that the you know what some people would say is like the activator of our faith. You know, uh, it really begins to activate what's inside. You mm. know, so I don't know if you've had this experience, but like we often in the church ignore the third person of the Trinity. In a sense, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much. Yeah, like, not not in regards to like relationship, right? We talk about it in regards to there's a Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But not in regards to relationship. When you have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with Jesus, right? Right. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? Like you you don't one's not excluded from the Trinity, right? In relationship. So when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is is the activator of love inside of us. It's, 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 it's the thing that propels and pushes us to come out of ourself. This is what the disciples, the apostles did when they left the upper room to share the gospel. Uniquely who they were, unique gifts, but yet gifts that were set into action now. Yeah. Full on. Well, and the Holy Spirit allows us to, it brings, he brings clarity to who we really are in that how do we discover ourselves if not in relationship with Christ? And how do we have a relationship with Christ if not by the Holy Spirit? Like there is no way to be a Christian because the word Christian has more to do with the Holy Spirit than with Christ, actually, because Christ is a title. It's not a name. Like we're not Jesusans. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Right. We're Christians because we believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, anointed by the Holy Spirit. So if I say I'm a Christian, I'm referring more to my relationship with God through the Holy Spirit than I am to Jesus even, right? Like I am a follower of Christ, sure, but how do I follow? I follow by the Holy Spirit. I don't follow by a human way. I don't walk down a certain road to get to God, to get to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I follow through the Spirit. If I'm not doing that, then I'm not, I don't really know who I am yet. I really don't because... God didn't create me for anything other than life in the Spirit. Right. It's kind of like, you know, Fulton Sheen uh, used to use this analogy, and I love it, but he was saying how when we're in the womb, we have eyes, but we don't know what light is. We have legs, but we don't know what running is. You know, we have hands, but we don't know what playing the piano is. Like, we, we have all these things, but it's when we're born into the world that we say, oh, that's what my eye is for. That's what my legs are for. And he's saying how heaven is going to be the same experience. Right now in this life, we have an intellect, we have a will, we have emotions, we have a heart. Like, we have all these things, and we're being formed in the womb of Mother Church. And then on that great day when we're born into eternal life, oh, that's what this is for, right? I think there's all, that's also true of when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, when the Holy Spirit is the main motivator of your life, you discover yourself, oh, that's what my life is for. Without that, like, you're just, you're just waiting for that moment. Absolutely. And so we have these things in us when we begin to ask God to activate it. Do so we ask the Holy Spirit to begin to activate what he's placed in our heart through baptism, through, through prayer, through relationship? That's when, that's when things begin to happen. Yeah. You know, that's when, you know, honestly, like, that's when Jesus says, I don't want you to have a courtside seat, I actually want you to play in the game. Yeah. I don't want you to be an observer. 
I want you to be a participant. That's the scary part. So to be a Christian means to be a participant. Yeah. To be in the game. It, it does it. There is nothing that ever insinuates that being a Christian is about sitting on the sideline. Right. Like nothing. You know, and so when, when we grow in our faith, there becomes a point where putting our faith into action is necessary. It is, it's, you could almost say if my faith isn't in action, then I'm not truly, I'm not truly a follower of Christ. Well, I think our topic today helps clarify what that means, because what that doesn't mean is that I help out at mass, I, uh, you know, say grace in public. Those are all good things to do. Like we should all do those things. Right. My faith in action is I've discerned what God is asking me to do, me, like not everybody, me, and I'm doing it. Yeah. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, that's faith in action. Yeah. H- how is the Holy Spirit propelling me? How is God asking me to serve the world around me? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, that's the conversation. Like, that's the place that we all need to start. Like, how are you asking me to love and serve the world around me? Yeah, let me, let me be nice to people and let me love people, but you have unique gifts, Mm-hmm. How's he doing that? And maybe, yes, it's in your family and in your marriage, but in your workplace. Like, how is he asking you to to bring who you are and who God's made you to be to help change the culture around you, to, to bring that into the light, right? So Scripture says no one lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel basket or puts it under a bed, you know? That's what the scripture tells us. No one would do that. Why would you light a lamp and put it under a bed? Like it would set the bed on fire. Like the light wouldn't be useful. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. Like why in the heck would I light a fire in you for that fire not to come out of you? Mm -hmm. Why? There's no, there's no answer. And he wouldn't. And you know, Jesus will not give us something that will be fruitless or ineffective. Like he doesn't do that. He says, you know, in in scripture, my word does not return to me void or ineffective. And he talks about not throwing pearls before swine, right? He He tells the apostles, go preach the gospel. If they don't accept it, shake the dust off your feet and leave, right? So like he's not gonna give us something, a grace or a calling or draw something out of us that he doesn't intend to bring it to fruition and to fruit. And so if we're not used to listening to Jesus in this way, to let him reveal to us our heart, our gifts, what he's made us to do, then we're missing out on those missions, those callings, those things that we could be doing. Right. You know, like Mother Teresa didn't become Mother Teresa overnight. Like she had this steady diet of the Holy Spirit and of saying yes to Jesus from when she was young that led her to so many missions that she would have never done if she wasn't in the habit of discipleships, discipleship. And so part of getting to know ourselves is that the Lord has much to reveal to us down the road that if we don't start now investing in those those talents, those gifts, those things God's asking us to do, like we'll never know that version of ourselves. We'll never know that life that God has for us, um, which leads to eternal life, really. Absolutely. Great conversation. All right, Paul and Adam, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? 
Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back, Paul and Adam in the studio talking Art of Living, <laughs> the art. I don't even know what you titled today, the art of the heart. The heart. <laughs> the heart of living. The the heart of I don't know. Getting in touch action. With, with your heart. Yeah. Like yeah, what, and, what God has put and there. Putting that into action. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all this, like in the liturgical cycle and season, if you're listening to this show, is like Pentecost is coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And like this is a good placement of the show, probably unintentionally, <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's like, this is, we can't ignore the Holy Spirit. I think, I don't know, it's just crazy to me, but, like... Well, I think part of the problem is he is a, a different type of person, right? So, like, the Father and the Son... It's hard to image. We don't call the Holy Spirit Son number two, mm-hmm. or the daughter, right? Like, he's... so. He is a different type of personality than the father and the son. His personality is one of family. Like, for example... It's one of love. Of love. So, like, you have husband and wife, and then there's a love between them. There's their marriage, right? Right. So the, the Holy Spirit is... And in a way, this is this is exciting because he's he's just so, like, I guess if around you were, everything, you know? He's you just know, people a, have used the analogy of it's the Holy Spirit is sort of the image of the love between the father and the son, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, it's the life of God living inside of us. But the Holy Spirit is a being mm-hmm. that lives in us. You know, it's the activator. When we begin to pray in our in our relationship with God, God, change me, heal me, activate what's in me. That's the Holy Spirit. So it's okay to say, you know, Holy Spirit, uh, move in me, activate in me a fire, you know, mm-hmm. that would light, you know, we're talking about this light in us. This is this fire in us of our faith that Jesus particularly says should not be hidden. Mm-hmm. And we've come up with Bible school songs like that. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. going to let it shine, right? Like that, yeah. that's comes from just this idea when Jesus says no one hides no one hides the light. Yeah. Right? Well, the thing about the Holy Spirit is it's not something you grab, but it's like... Okay. Something that grabs you. Yeah. Honestly. So, so, so Jesus is filled with the Spirit, right? Like that was his life from conception to now. He's filled with the Holy Spirit in his human nature, just covered in it, right? So how did he speak about this dynamic? Well, he said things like, I don't say anything on my own, but only what the Father tells me to say, right? I don't do anything on my own, but only what the Father tells me to do, right? So that if the Spirit is the love or the life exchanged between the Father and the Son, as much as Jesus is a Son, he's living by the Spirit. In other words, he receives his life from the Father and doesn't do anything on his own, gives that life back by obedience and by love and by doing the mission the Father gave him, and that exchange is the Holy Spirit. Like he's filled with the Spirit. And so it is with us. 
Like if we are in touch with the Father and what He's telling us to do, what He's um, telling us to say, the life He's calling us to live, if we're in touch with that call and living it with generosity, that's how we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. We yeah. enjoy that life exchange. If the Holy Spirit is something we grab and say like, I want to have all the gifts, I want to have all the, you know, like, like I'm going to be so filled with the Spirit. Maybe that's not the best path. Because <laughs> that's not the path Jesus trod. The path Jesus trod was one of obedience and mission, constant mission, constant obedience to the Father, and generosity. That's how you live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And that's why the Scripture says uh, the Spirit is willing. That's an action word, willing. Mm-hmm. But the flesh is weak. Flesh is weak. Like we can't do anything on our own without the power of the Spirit. But the Spirit doesn't just lay dormant in us. The Spirit is willing to move, to activate. And I think for a lot of us, and oftentimes, I'm guilty of this too, that honestly, like the, the Spirit just kind of does lay dormant because I'm not saying, hey, I'm, I want you to take over. Yeah. So. That's the thing. The movement is in the direction of God's will, not our will. So we're right. not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit to accomplish our will or anyone else's will other than the Father. That's why we have to surrender to that. All right. Mm-hmm. So how about a nice, healthy, <laughs> summer refreshing <laughs> well before you say the next sentence have you seen this could be a have you seen but have you seen like i think it's lemon green tea bud light i'm not doing it isn't that crazy that is weird six pack of questions question so how about a six pack of discovering your heart all right, so here's the first question. I'm going to give you the first. Oh, my? And then you, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, okay. All right, so you discovered your heart in a new way this week. Um, you had, you were going on vacation, and one of your kids got sick, or a couple. Three and of them, so yeah. you, you did a staycation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the question. Is a staycation worth it? Because, I mean, look, dude, you're here. You look relaxed. <laughs> I mean, you're smiling. You, I mean, a lot of people would be disappointed but you guys kind of turned, flipped it on its head. So to activate your heart, was your heart activated during the staycation? Yeah, I mean, if you've never done a staycation where you literally just stay home and you enjoy time together, but also tend to your life in a way that you don't normally do because you're busy, like just be not busy for a few days and not worried about anything except your house and your home and your family, pretty good. And yeah, you do get in touch with, your heart, like, well, what do you really want out of life? You know, my wife and I asked these questions, and we explored that a lot and set some goals for the year and, like, all that kind of stuff. Now, do we do it every year? I don't know. Do we do it on purpose? I don't know. But I would love to do it, you know, every other year maybe, a staycation, a few days off, and just focus on our life. Well, and I think to add to that is that we're so busy, right? And even when we go on vacation, we're mm-hmm. busy because we're traveling and then we have everything stuff to planned. Do. Yeah. But the staycation – what was cool when we were talking off air is that it allowed you and your wife to actually have some conversations you haven't had about mm-hmm. the vision for your family and what you're called to kind of a lot of this conversation that we're having today was a- allowing you the space to have that conversation without feeling too busy. And sometimes we just have to carve out not only the prayer time in our life, but the conversation to have. So Yeah. All right. Question number two. So Paul, when I brought this idea of kind of knowing yourself and knowing your heart and like the gifts and talents you have and these kinds of things, it fills some people with a lot of anxiety. It's kind of like if, um, if I'm asked some questions about someone they don't know, 
you know, and they hope they know the answer, but they're not sure, they're not confident. So what would you say if, if this whole idea of coming to know yourself in this way fills me with anxiety, what advice would you have for me? I would just go right to scripture where it says, have no anxiety at all. That's what it says. But by prayer and petition, make your request known to God. Like talk to Jesus about it. Like what, like it doesn't need to be complicated. So a life with God doesn't bring anxiety. What brings anxiety is our worry about all the other things. So when scripture says, have no anxiety at all, make your request uh, known to God. Like just talk to Jesus about what he's put on your heart. And it should be very natural and easy. And it may take time to bring clarity. Um, but don't focus on all the external, all the things that might worry you or scare you or the what ifs. Just be in the present moment in conversation. I like that. Great. Okay. Question number, number two. Three. Oh, we're on three. Yeah, That's we right, changed the order so it's all... Because we got the staycation. We did. Thing. All right, so we do live... We were kind of talking about this busy time. Like, what would you, your six-pack of advice on question number three be about... <laughs> Practically carving out time and space to like get in touch with what's inside. Like, what are my gifts? Like, you know what? You know, because I could be driving and think about it, and then I forget about it. Or I can be like, how, how can I be intentional about carving out time? Yeah, I would say setting aside these particular times. One, a daily conversation with Jesus on the level of the heart. Two, I would say at least quarterly, maybe half a year, an extended time that you plan. And I don't mean a retreat, you know, like a a weekend away. I mean like, you know, maybe a half a day, maybe three hours where you plan to go to a chapel, a church, a quiet setting, outdoors, something, but to be on the level of the heart with the Lord. And then finally, I would say you need a yearly retreat on the level of the heart. And what I mean by the love of the heart, what I mean on, by the love of the heart is a conversation with Jesus about what he's put in my heart, those things that we were talking about earlier, right. those, and also what I don't have, what he's allowed to not be there. Mm -hmm. And so I need to talk with him about how I'm sharing what he's given me in my heart yeah. and discovering, sharing and discovering what's there, and also how I'm exploring and seeking those things that are not there. Um, this ha needs to happen daily for at least five minutes. I find in my life the daily gospel readings are a great way to talk with Jesus about this because it's easy. I don't have to plan it. I literally just take out my phone and go to the app, right? So I don't have to think, what am I praying with today? And it brings up topics that I wouldn't bring up on my own. So, for example, when Jesus challenges the rich young man, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think to challenge myself in that way, right? But I can, let, I can open that up to the level of the heart. You know, it's like, okay, well, Jesus, what does this reveal to me? The way I'm reacting to this, what does that tell me about my heart, about what I have, what I don't have, um, the things I need to share, the things I need to grow? It could be a five-minute conversation, but it needs to be daily, I think. Hmm. Then quarterly, I can get help from a, a friend or a spiritual director. And for my yearly retreat, I can go on a director's retreat or get a spiritual director involved to help me explore my heart a little more. So that would be my time carving things give yourself five minutes a day half a day once a quarter and like a weekend yearly if you can amen all right 
Question number four. So, Paul, gifts and talents is kind of a um, it's kind of an interesting thing to to consider because, for example, I think most people, if I ask, well, "What are your gifts and talents?" I might say, "Well, you know, I play the bassoon." Um, Go for it. I uh, <laughs> I like to color. I am a bassoon. <laughs> I do color by number really well. Mm-hmm. You know. So what do we actually mean by gifts and talents, like on this level, the love of the heart? Hmm. Well, I, I think gifts and talents, you know, there's all these assessments out there or things that you can look at, but I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it. I think when you look at what are the things that just come very natural to me that I just do without knowing I even do it. Mm-hmm. And those could be character things, like maybe I'm just naturally a good listener, or I'm naturally present to people, or I'm naturally smile at people. You know, like not everybody has those things. Some people might have them, but not every. You know, like, um, and then look at your other natural things. Am I naturally an extrovert or introvert? Like, like look at your personality type, and then what are just naturally do well, and that's where you start. And then there's supernatural gifts that God can take that puts in us and that activates those things um, into something that's more of action, you know? So maybe I do this with that gift, and maybe I do this with that gift. So I think sometimes we can over-assess ourselves, but I think if we were to be real honest, we probably know ourselves much better than we think we do. Hmm. And just start with who you naturally are. Interesting. Yeah. So question five, because we're running out of time, man. <gasps> this lemon-lime thing, man. We <laughs> <laughs> Green tea, lemon, beer. I, I just can't. Yeah. So know. do you think there's a value in all of us having someone we can talk to regularly, our group of friends or people or community or a person, about what's inside of us? Well, I think we'd all agree that there's value, but we're not convicted about it. Because there's a difference. You know, we're talking about the Holy Spirit earlier. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the intellectual gifts, they don't just... God's not going to give us something we don't know in those gifts, but he gives us conviction about what we do know. Right. So a conviction is, this is so true that I will adjust my life because of how true it is. Right. In fact, the, uh, the Old Testament word for truth that the Hebrews would use, the, it was the image of a... Of a, a Craig or a, not a Craig, a crag. What, what do you call that big rock? A crag. crag. A crag. Sounds Australian, mate. It is. <laughs> but the image of truth is like a large rock that you can build your house on. In other words, like truth is something that's never going anywhere and mm-hmm. big enough to build your life on. Nice. So I think we all know the value of having someone in our life who can journey with us and help us to know ourselves and that know us knows us really well. But a lot of us like the conviction which is that is so true that I will start to build my life that way. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get that conviction is to start. Invite that person into your life and see the benefits because there are benefits for okay. sure. All right, question number six. Last one. The last one. Um, all right, so Paul, let's say uh, in my marriage and family, I want to have an environment where people are encouraged to know themselves and like live their gifts and their talents and their heart out. Give me a top do and a top don't to have a family like that. Um, a top do, would, even when your kids are smaller and they get older, is maybe have some type of um, question or sheet they fill out. What, it, what, what do you think your gifts are? Like, what do you bring to the family and how do you put those into action? Like, 
that's a good conversation. So as your kids get older, um, they, they begin to know themselves. I mean, that's what you want. Like you want your kids to know who they are uniquely because every kid's different. And then what can end up happening is they start comparing themselves to others. Well, I'm not as smart as this sibling or that, or, but when they know that their unique gifts and their unique personality, they know how they can uniquely bring themselves to the world. That's what you want. And that's the battle we fight as parents. And that's the battle we should be fighting. Um, and we let them know that it's, it's God who created them this way. And that's the beauty, you know, so that they can fall in love with themselves, fall in love with the person that God made because God made them good. So, so it's a good top do. What about a top don't top don't would be, um, don't not enter into the conversation because here, here's the thing about family and kids is they're, they're processing it, whether they know it or not, they're looking at other people and saying, or other kids and saying, well, I'm not like that, or I can't do that, or I don't have that gift. They are actually thinking about that. And so it's our job as parents to actually speak into the story that they're telling themselves in their head so that we can speak truth to that story. So don't be on the sidelines. Don't be on the sideline. So um, anyway, great show, man. Great conversation. Uh, I, I heart you, Paul. <laughs> the heart of living. <laughs> you can share the show on podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, iTunes, um, you can give, support the show, discovertheartofliving.com. Help us to stay on air, reaching lives, helping people discover the art of living. Ah, and we got a marriage conference coming up. So Woo-hoo. go to discover, discovertheartofliving.com slash marriage and find out about it. All right, we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.